Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Sex and the Bull City. My name is Matt Kreiner, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker, certified sex addiction therapist. I mean, the credentials just abound over here on my (laughs) side of the street. And I'm joined today, and I'm so excited as usual. We're back from hiatus. I'm here with my co-host and colleague and agency owner, Dr. Sophia Caudill. Hey, Sophia. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I just want to say a big shout out to Matt because since our last um, episode, he became licensed. So now he is completely legit. It's the real deal. Yep, he's the real deal now. And he's also a certified sex addiction therapist. So we are super proud of him and just I'm, I'm very blessed to have him here at the practice with me and all of our wonderful people. And speaking of, we have a new friend and associate joining us today, um, Caroline Rutledge. And Caroline started out as my assistant, graduated from my same graduate school, and is now working as one of our associates. And so we're super happy to have her with us here today. Caroline, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you specialize in. Yeah, sure. It's great to be here as a part of the podcast team and Bull City itself. It's been awesome. Um, So my background, I specialize um, in addictions and eating disorders. So I am um, a licensed professional counselor associate and a licensed clinical addiction specialist associate. Um, And I also work um, part-time as a therapist at Carolina House, which is a residential eating disorders um, treatment facility here in Durham. Yeah, so um, Caroline actually is going to be rounding out the group with um, being able to help people and work with people around food and sex, which is a both both very common process addictions and issues. And so we're really happy to have her with us. Thank you. Yeah. Most mm-hmm. definitely. And Caroline, something happened. Was it just last weekend or so? Right? There's <laughs> something going on in your world. What, what What was all that about? Yes, I am less than a week. I'm a newlywed. A newlywed. Absolutely. So we're excited to celebrate that. And it was one of the many reasons we wanted to bring Caroline into the conversation today because, so, you know, a few weeks back, we had a conversation about how to define intimacy, really common topic that folks bring into our rooms all the time, looking for information on, on what intimacy is, you know, with the underlying question existing of, you know, basically, so how do I feel more of it? How do we enhance it? So we thought we needed to take a a little break, you know, between recordings, but we're back and we thought a natural next step in this conversation would be now that we've talked a bit about what intimacy is, what do we know about enhancing it and improving it? So I think all three of us are excited to talk about it from our our different perspectives here. Yeah, this is going to be good. And hopefully um, we'll answer a lot of questions that may have popped up from our last our last podcast. And Caroline is in a great spot in life of things are going great, you know, just married. We all remember what that's about. You know, that the, the days are good um, right around marriage. And so we thought that it'd be great to have her join us. And, and if she has questions that pop up along uh, the podcast, like maybe you will have as well. Maybe her questions will be your questions. And, you know, we'll happy we'll be happy just to field them the best way that we can. So, okay, let's go ahead and get started. I wanted to do a quick recap of the eight types of intimacy. And again, this is from Dr. Volker. And she's a, a extremely smart, experienced sex therapist, among other um, sexual expertise areas uh, down in Florida. 
And these are, so there's eight types of intimacy and sex is only one of them. So one thing we mentioned in our last podcast was a lot of people come into the practice talking about intimacy and, and intimacy and sex are like words that mean the same thing in their minds. So common. Yeah, yeah. And so, and they're, and they're kind of right, but there's all these other ways. So, you know, when couples are disconnected emotionally or intellectually or socially, likely they're not going to be very connected sexually. So the eight types of intimacy, again, are sexual, physical, which is also recreational, spiritual, emotional, so that can be trust and other other emotions like that that are essential for emotional security, intellectual, affectual, which is sort of like relating to each other emotionally. Are, are people able to be affected by each other? And that's sort of a way of connecting. And aesthetic, so both connected to a to, to beauty in similar ways. So maybe that would be um, going to an art show or when someone has a pretty outfit on, like, wow, they both really like it in the same way for some, some similar reasons. And then socially is another type of intimacy. Can we go out and do things together and really enjoy some of the same things? Um, so so that's just a good a good way to to come into this conversation and already know that while there's a lot of ways that we can connect and be intimate together, really that have nothing to do with sex, and kind of a lot of these things need to be clicking along before we even get to sex. So I'm wondering if either of y'all have uh, any comments or questions about that. Yeah, just it's, it hits me hard every time you know, I reflect on, on Dr. Volker's work, just how interrelated um, all these experiences can be. So super helpful to parse them out and understand, you know, and kind of track how each space is going in our lives and our different relationships and where the levels of intimacy are. Um, and I, I always just find it super interesting to, to then notice the intersections. And it just really drives home that point that if we're struggling in one area, you know, there's, there's a good chance we're struggling in others. Yeah. But there's an upside to that synergy as well, right? So if we, we improve one area, other areas are likely to be positively impacted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, that's just a real game changer to really be able to understand all these different types of, um, of intimacy and that it's not just sex. So I think that's just really important. And you're right. Some can be working. Some cannot be working. If we improve in one area, then likely they're all going to increase in some way and, and be enhanced. Um, so when we're talking about how to improve intimacy, there are so many resources out there. There's tons and tons of books. Um, there's lots of things you can you can see online. There's there's really a lot of resources out there. And so we're just going to be mentioning a few that are important to us, or maybe even certain therapies that we actually use here at Bull City Psychotherapy. Um, one of the first things I'm going to talk about is bonding behaviors. So. You might be able to search bonding behaviors and and find a list of different things. I have a couple of lists, and some of the easy ones that couples find are are just nice and easy to implement immediately are like, let's schedule in date nights at least once a week that we're going to intentionally either, you know, get a sitter if we need to, get off work earlier if we need to. Um, We're going to have an intentional time of, of being out together really giving each other a specific kind of attention that's that's just for the relationship. So date nights are, are important. Um, another way that we think about bonding behaviors is 
I don't know if y'all remember that five languages of love, love languages, Gary sure. Chapman. Yeah. Sure. So that a lot of people know about that, and that's super helpful. Um, being being willing to communicate with your partner in the ways that you know he or she receives love and perceives love um, is a great thing to do. So that in itself is going to increase intimacy and is, is just really considerate to do. And by the way, y'all just jump in and chime in if, if you want to. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go down a quick list. Yeah, okay, go ahead. yeah. I was going to say, yeah. so go ahead and, and finish your list. I'm going to come back to a couple of things. Okay, yeah, please. Good? Yeah, okay. whichever you want to do is good. Okay. So like holding hands, spooning, massages, those are kind of, again, easier ways that people can um, immediately start increasing connection and intimacy. Now, let's say spooning and massages, I mean, for a lot of our clients, that's actually too much and it's not comfortable. So it might be, I mean, I know for a lot of my clients, let's say, you know, we do work with sex addiction and sex therapy here. So we have a lot of traumatized partners. So I like to put the control in the partner's um, shoes of their their control of, of when is some kind of reaching out going to happen. It's going to be on their terms. They're either going to ask for what they want or just go and do what they feel is is comfortable. Maybe it'll be going behind their partner and giving a shoulder massage whenever they feel safe doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me elevate a little little part of that because I think it's just so important. Like we've talked about lots of times, you know, we deal with, with couples who are working really hard to repair significant ruptures mm-hmm. and, and repair the pain of betrayal trauma. And it's such an important point to, you know, for the person, to allow the person who was injured to be the one to um, really be the the rate-limiting factor. If I think back to our chemistry days, like, yeah. <laughs> they're the ones who are really going to help us understand when, uh, you know, the, the speed of of the reconnection in so many ways. And, you know, we're, we're doing that work with them and it's not yeah. that it needs to take forever, but you know, they need to feel safe mm-hmm. and there's no exact timeline of how long that's going to take. And it's the, the more willing that the person who did the injuring is to hold that space for them and prove their safety, you know, really the, the faster that part goes and, and the, the more reliable that, that foundation of trust and safety is. So I think, I think it's a really important, mm-hmm. important idea on both sides of the street there. Yeah, yeah, really, really good point. And then even if holding hands or, or any other kind of physical activity is too much still, just even sitting and playing a game together, like, you know, playing cards together or playing a board game mm-hmm. can really be just, it's just an activity to do together that can help um, betrayed partners just feel more comfortable even just being in the space with their partner that they're doing all this hard work with. Um, praying together, meditating together, these are also ways to increase intimacy yeah. um, together for the coupleship. Um, okay, and y'all want to add anything yeah. else? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to highlight, so I mean, yeah. that whole list is is super meaningful and, and the details are going to, you know, apply differently to each individual, you know, coupleship, but the one that hit me hard was was date nights. So I'm excited to get all of our different perspectives, you know, personally and professionally. We talked about Caroline just, you know, embarking on this new marriage journey. You know, my wife and I are um, about 12 years into marriage together. The kiddos are nine, six, and nine years old, six years old, and then and one and a half. And when we talk about date nights, I mean, my mind goes directly to, wow, what are all the logistical things I need to get in line yeah. in order to make this happen, right? And I know I'm not alone. I talk to our couples all the time about, about this idea. So I love that idea as, as one to be intentional about yeah. because, you know, for me personally and for so many couples that I'm, I'm even just actively working with, um, these are very real conversations. Life gets busy, yeah. right? And it's hard to carve out time 
to spend together with the intention of just nurturing the coupleship. It's, it gets easy to take the connection for granted, to assume, well, it'll happen well, on the weekend, when we get to Sunday, when things calm down, it'll happen. But what we see over and over again is, is that if, if we are not intentional about prioritizing the connection in our coupleship, it will start to atrophy like anything else. You know, it's pick your metaphor. A lot of times I'll talk about, you know, uh, you, as, if my love with, with my, my person or, you, or your love if I'm talking to a client, it's, it's like a plant. It requires yeah. some things in order to survive and thrive. And um, if you don't water it, um, you're going to see those impacts as well. So um, the details are going to matter to each different coupleship. Maybe, you know, it's you're, you're staying home and you're intentionally connecting after the baby's down. Maybe you're taking a weekend and really getting out of town or anything in between. Um, but the point is that by protecting that time, you're prioritizing uh, each other and, and the strength of your connection. And that really can't be a, a twice a year thing. And yeah. you can't do it that with that frequency and expect it to be too effective. And, and I think, I mean, you bring up a really good point. It's probably not going to be every week when you've got little kids. Sure. Um, that's, that, I mean, cause that does, that's really stressful to try to figure out how all that's going to work exactly like you said at the beginning. And, and the point of this is not to add more stress on the coupleship. So I'm really glad you said that. So it might be that once a month is the very best that, that a date night can happen and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, that's just really, really great that you brought that up. There's no one size fits all here. Every, every connection is different and every family is different. Um, financial issues are going to come in there mm-hmm. as well. Date night might be something for free that you're doing in the house or in the backyard, which is totally fine. Absolutely. Um, Intimacy it, can happen there. Yeah. It does not have to be something expensive. So, um, yeah, you really have to just think about what's going to work for you and your partner and your coupleship. But we do know that if the coupleship is not made a priority, then the coupleship is going to suffer. I mean, we know that. I mean, we we have enough information now on why couples split and, and, and what goes into that. And we know that it's, it's very important. So it has to be a priority somehow, some way. Feeling an intimate connection and the long-term health of a coupleship. It is not a set it and forget it process. It's an intentional effort that's being made to to honor and uh and and prioritize that connection indefinitely you know it it takes it takes maintenance it takes work yeah yeah good good points um okay let's move on now and just keep talking about okay that's great information everybody what are some other ways that we can do to improve intimacy so believe it or not um one way that can improve intimacy is if you actually disclose more and share more with your partner your partner might actually feel closer to you and you are feeling closer to him or her. So it's, it's, I mean, I think for a lot of people who are uncomfortable sharing and who are more withdrawers, Mm -hmm. that's probably like an oxymoron, very (laughs) like what? And I don't want to do that. And so, but believe it or not, it's, it's actually, and if you're a pursuer and you're married to a withdrawer, if you share just about you, with that withdrawer, that is actually going to bring that withdrawer closer because they don't have to do anything but just listen, mm-hmm. which is not just be there. Yeah. You're not even asking anything of them, which is perfect if you're a withdrawer. Right. So they can just be there. Um, so disclosing is actually really, really helpful to increase the depth of relationship. Um, another one that kind of goes along with that is when there are deep 
conversations to be had, and I mean like deeply emotional conversations to be had, set aside time for that. So that might actually be almost like one of those date nights we were talking about. Sure. Like we don't have time to get a babysitter and we don't have money to go do this, that, and the other, but we do need to talk about this particular thing. Yeah. Um, and let's set aside an hour to do that. So yeah. so making making deep emotional connections important um, is going to increase intimacy. Go yeah, ahead. I hear you talking about a couple really important things there, um, kind of in, the, in that same order. You know, the, the, the first is that how powerful... Talking about the general idea of just sharing with one another and sharing more as a way to feel more intimately connected, um, there's power on both sides of that experience, right? The, the sharing of it is is powerful and connecting, and the receiving of it is a really big deal as well. So it's 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 a very just connecting experience because there's so much just emotional power on on both sides of it. Whether you're the one sharing, or you're the one receiving. So I love that that you take the time to highlight that, and then you, you talk about protecting the space. Yeah. Right, and there there is so much power in the context around the conversations. What's going on in the background? Where do we feel safe in in the physical space? Um, how do we start up the conversation? You know, the Godmas talk a lot about the importance of a gentle startup if we're getting into something. Right, I mean, these things matter, and it's not rocket science. But if we're not intentional about it, they're easy to miss. Yeah, right? or it can get away from us quickly. Yeah, and then we're in kind of a little bit of a mess. Um, and, and one of the, the therapies that I wanted to mention when we're talking about make time for deep, deep conversations and deep connection is I want, I know I've mentioned her before, but Haiti Schleifer and her husband, Yumi Schleifer, they created Encounter-Centered uh, Couples Therapy, um, which I've done several of the trainings and they're coming here in January. So if you're a therapist and you're listening to this, or if you're a couple and you're interested in being at this workshop, please get in touch with me right away and we will make it happen. Um, so this therapy is pretty life-changing. Um, it's based on Harville Hendricks's work, a lot of Imago basis, but she really has taken it to a new level with current brain research and understanding how we act, we can create connection when when connection is almost gone entirely, and with people who are really not at all connected, um, she just really has a great way of teaching couples how to be close to each other, sit close with brains like no more than eighteen inches apart, so that we can actually feel each other and mirror neurons are firing and connecting. And, and holding hands and, and sharing with one another. And, and like you just said, Matt, in that, in that shared space, um, this type of communication is there's somebody sharing and someone's receiving. And so it is, it is very connected. Both people are so connected. It ends up being um, very similar to the process that happens in trauma therapy um, because both people are there with each other in these places and it becomes very real. So I think the eight types of intimacy that, that I mentioned at the beginning, um, Haiti Schleifer's Encounter-Centered Couples Therapy really hits on all of those. It is incredibly powerful. And so if you ever have an opportunity to see her or meet with her, she's got a documentary. I think there's some videos you can probably buy um, from her website. I would, I highly recommend um getting getting near to her and learning from her because she really is she's really amazing so we actually do that therapy here i've had the training 
So if anybody, again, is interested, um, just give me a, a call and, and we can get that scheduled. But it's very powerful stuff. So excited for that workshop in January. Oh, wow. It's a game changer. It really is for couples' work. Um, it, it, is, it takes the relationship to a new depth. It really does. Especially for people who haven't been at that level, like, say, in decades. Yeah. Their relationship has really, they didn't nurture it. Yeah. Like what we were just talking about. It, it really helps people get back there, like, that day. Yeah. It's really, it's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So then another thing that can increase intimacy is couples doing things together. Like it could be a, a, a home project or going on a big trip together. You know, like Caroline, you and, and your husband, Barrick, y'all just planned this whole wedding together. So that's a connecting experience. Yeah. What are some other connecting experiences like that that are like, you know, projects that we might do together as a coupleship? Yeah, that's... Um... It really made me think of an example that comes up often in my therapy rooms when we're talking about these ideas, and um, which which we kind of use. It, it's seeing a movie together is, is what I'm talking about. And so for some people, that'll come up as an example of like, you know, that's not connecting for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just sitting next to my person and we just throw Netflix on or whatever, and it's just we, we may as well be in different rooms. And that's a very real experience for some people, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's, it's kinda, I like that as an example of how personal the experience of intimacy can be because um, as long as there's there's this sense of, of connection, of a, like you said, like of a, of a shared experience, then the intimacy can be enhanced and it can be increased. I mean, if you think about watching a movie and then having that shared experience and processing it after or even seeing like a live show of some kind and just yeah, being in yeah. that, that shared space together, I think it's just a critical element to enhancing a sense of intimacy is experiencing a shared experience. And it may not be perfectly obvious. That's kind of a personal thing to know what you're going to experience as, as shared. Um, but I think that's an essential element. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and what I really hear you saying also is, wow, it's important, the frame that we place on what we're doing. So if we're kind of coming at this from a negative place, like Mm -hmm. watching a movie or a TV show, that's just not connected at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Sure, you can, you know, you can feel that and and believe that, Mm -hmm. of course, but, or... You can watch this movie together that you both want to watch, sit next to each other, hold hands or spoon or do something that can be very connecting for you know over two hours. And so uh, and then even processing it afterwards. Yeah. So but if we if we're going to kind of, you know, come into a lot of our activities with a negative, you know, frame behind that, it's likely not going to be that effective. But if we have a, a kind of a positive attitude about it, that can be that can be more helpful. And so. Anyway, I'm just going to kind of finish up, and then I want to hear if Caroline has any questions. Um, I'm just going to mention briefly Sensate Focus. And so Sensate Focus is a, a physical, um, it's really a sex therapy. Um, there, there are different physical exercises that couples do together to enhance or improve intimacy and connection in the relationship. And, and so, yes, it might be about sex, but these are also very connecting activities like like taking responsibility um, for our partners in regards to sex and our, for ourselves in regards to sex. So sharing that verbally, explaining what we like, what we don't like. Um, there's a lot of exercises and homework that are in Sensate Focus that help people get more connected. It might be slowly undressing and, and just you know holding each other. Um, and there's a lot of ways to also get rid of anxiety in regards to sex. So if we have more intimacy and more connection, 
probably like performance anxiety is going to go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of great exercises out there. Sex therapists, um, I'm a sex therapist as well. Um, we have a lot of great um, pieces of homework, a lot of great things we can do with couples. But also, even if you're not in a coupleship and you would like some kind of sensate focus or sex therapy, that's 100%. Um, doable also. Yeah. So, um, okay, Caroline, I'm dying to hear if you have any questions after hearing all these things now that you and Derek have to do to stay connected. Yeah, yeah. well, and, it, and it's interesting because, I mean, I reflect on our relationship and how, you know, what intimacy is to us now is not where it was five years ago when we first started dating. And and just being able to, to in a relationship, have that time together to figure out what does work, what doesn't work in all of these areas of intimacy. But now, as you said, we had this huge, you know, event that the two of us basically did plan together. And even this week, I'm kind of like, all right, what do we do now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what's next? What do you recommend to, to keep those fires burning in all of these different areas? Well, I mean, I think what I'm hearing is that you and Matt, you jump in too, that you guys are a good team. And so y'all like planning things together. So maybe you could plan a, a trip, like a weekend getaway up to the mountains or something, or mm-hmm. go to the beach. But maybe planning something together that you both want to do, that you're both invested in. So just that whole planning of a project, mm-hmm. and then you know following through and doing the project or doing the trip, whatever it might be. I mean, that could be something that y'all can kind of keep things going in that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and something that that occurs to me, you know, as we, and I think it's right to kind of put it through the lens of everything we've kind of already talked about in these in this session of, of like what are the elements that need to be present and that gives us a great shot at enhancing this intimacy, this intimacy. So it's there's there's this authentic experience of showing up honestly and and safely for each other. There's this experience of, of having a shared experience of both being being present for it. So when I think about where where you two you know are at and what and how to apply that and what, what might have worked for, for me and my person along the way. I, I love the idea of also trying to squeeze as, as much enjoyment out of an experience as possible. So something like um, really reflecting, holding space for each other about what the planning and then the day of was like, mm-hmm. you know, parts, mm-hmm. moments that were meaningful to you across the weekend. Um, you know, maybe there's even a, a part where you're going through photos together and, and just having that, you know, the shared experience and mm-hmm. checking in with each other, something that might've been meaningful to him might've have, uh, you have, maybe you didn't notice along the way, you know, yeah. so just being present for each other as, as you process and, and savor, you know, what, what that experience was like, I think, I think could be a meaningful thing. And, and then of course, you know, maybe this is just uh, being, being 12 years down the road talking, but you know, get ready for that date night, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Think right. about what this next month or two is going to look like as your, your routine starts to settle and check in with each other. How are we going to be intentional mm-hmm. about being with each other yeah. uh, in these next couple months? Yeah. And I think what I heard one of you say earlier too, is I think just realizing that date night looks different for everybody mm-hmm. and what what y'all might consider with kids, you know, getting out. For me, you know, date night for us is a lot of times in. Me cooking dinner <laughs> and then watching a show yeah. or a movie. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that that's a nice way to end. It's that, um, you know, there's there's no one right recipe for for individuals or couples. And whatever works for you and Barrick is, is what works for y'all. It's just, it's really being able to be present enough with yourselves and each other 
and connected mm-hmm. that you can figure out what is your perfect recipe for for what you need to be doing and planning and how y'all need to be be communicating with each other and how again back to the love languages how are you perceiving mm-hmm. from is ever is everything clicking along all cylinders are are they all firing um, in all of those ways and it it does take some effort and so you know in the early days it's like you don't really have to put anything into it it's just all mm-hmm. good but you know I, I like what Matt was saying yeah it really does take effort and we ha- it has to be intentional there yeah, has to yeah. be a purpose behind everything we're doing and and having that that presence and connection um as a way to ensure that everyone's needs are getting met everybody i hope that you enjoyed this um podcast about how to increase intimacy and please get in touch with us if you have any questions or if you want to schedule we are here at bullcitypsychotherapy.com all of our web um, all of our emails are up there And um, we are happy that you're joining us and listening to us. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you for joining us, Caroline. Thank you for having me. All right. And we'll see you all next time.